Hey, everybody. I realize I'm very fortunate um, with the Recovery Revolution dot online and since right now dot network and, and the podcast that um, I have the luxury of of time to do this. Um, that it's essentially what I do. Uh, but one of the challenges is I, f- I as much time as I have, I, I fill it. What I what I do expands to fill the time. And so some things like some of the, sometimes the details fall by the wayside. Um, one, one of those things is, you know, I would love to put you on the podcast. I'd love to hear what you're thinking. I'd love to, um, respond to your questions or comments. Um, but I, I think I'm not figuring out the best way to, <laughs> to encourage you to call. So, um, how about if you have an idea to encourage people to call, uh, the 507-556-7271 number to, um, you know, talk, to us, uh, call and leave leave that inf- you know that idea that information, um, or you know if if you do have something recovery addiction specific or guest specific or host specific that you want to talk about or ask, um, you know I still encourage you to do that as well. All right, thanks. But I'd love to hear from you. Five zero seven five five six seven two seven one. We have Christy on this episode, um, and she has a terrific guest. Enjoy. The Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. Welcome to the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Podcast, the podcast of clean and sober, K-L-E-N and S-O-B-R, and SinceRightNow.com with your hosts in recovery, Jeff, Matt, and Chris. Hey, Christy. It's Hi. Chris, and I'm back now with Jeff. Hi, Christy. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I'm and, good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. And Matt. Hello, Christy. Hi, Matt. And uh, we're just uh, all collectively singing uh, your praises, uh, your, your yeah. writing. Yeah. Um, Aw, <laughs> thank and, you. And, uh, you know, I, I typically... Um, you know Jeff and Matt, and you've, if you've you've listened, I know you've, we just mm-hmm. talked about it, you do listen. Um, yeah. They don't interact as much in the digital re- space. Digital space um, yeah. with recovery. So uh, typically, what what happens is when they 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 do their their the research um, when when somebody comes on and they they both came in raving about uh, yeah your writing and that's uh, really nice um, to hear yeah, yeah. so. Um, Which will, yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, so yeah, let's just say yeah. uh, welcome to Christy and and uh, am I using your last name? Sure. Okay, yeah. Christy Coulter. Yes, and, you said uh, it right. Oh, I, I didn't even check in the pre-call. Said, am I using it? <laughs> am I using it properly? <laughs> um, that is the proper usage. <laughs> it's after my first name, and nice job. And uh, yeah, so uh, if you're not familiar. You should familiarize yourself, in the, and one of the best ways to do that is Christie's blog, offdry.wordpress.com. Uh, I think that's one of the best ways in terms of recovery. I know that uh, you're in a variety of places, a medium. Jeff was just talking yeah. about. Uh, Your medium post, the latest one. Yeah, it was funny. We'll have to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I'd love to. 
so uh, um, let's welcome and yeah. uh, let's talk recovery. Let's, yeah, let's talk recovery <laughs> for a change. Let's mix it up yeah. tonight. Let's do a recovery episode. Yeah. <laughs> Get crazy. Um, so in the pre-call I was talking about, I, I tried to recall how we had, I guess, become acquainted yeah. And, and you filled me in on, you, you refreshed my memory. Can you do yeah. that for the audience? Sure. So it, it was, so I've been sober for just under three years. And I actually remember very specifically now when I had first gotten sober, I was running. I mean, I'm still running, but mm-hmm. I had kind of amped up my running because mm-hmm. it's like, I think people who get sober tend to start running. Yes, they do. Or amp it up. (laughs) Yes, definitely. And I desperately needed something to distract me from the fact that I was running. Yeah. And so I started listening to podcasts and I found your podcast. I don't actually remember how I found it, but um, I found it really refreshing because it was, I mean, there's a lot of great podcasts out there, but it was sort of irreverent and Mm. funny, you know, and you guys were Mm -hmm. just sort of funny and you would talk about, um, I remember you talking about, David Foster Wallace once, and I don't mm. even actually mm. really read him, mm. but I was, but I like the kind of people who do. Right. <laughs> I just don't want to do it myself, and um, and I was like, oh, I really like this, and I just felt like, for me, it was a way to start thinking about recovery as a place where I belonged, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that wasn't wasn't overly earnest, um, that that was I, I wasn't an AA person, I'm still not really, and and you guys had this wonderful kind of agnostic attitude toward that, or ecumenical, I guess you'd say, mm-hmm. and um, and I thought, oh, there's, you know, this world is a world that's not so different from the one I've been living in. It just isn't drunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're taking that, that out. And that was really huge for me. That's funny. And then I think I posted, um, I made a blog post about my so far only visit to an AA meeting. Mm, right. uh, this was a couple of years ago mm. and, and ended up being featured on your site. And um, yeah. And did you was, have that Did you have that horrible experience like Chris had when you went to an AA meeting? I read that post today, so I, I won't yeah. spoil it. But um, Spoiler alert. No. Bad things <laughs> happened? No. It was just, it was actually fine. Well, no, I mean, everything went wrong. I remember I had gone online and I feel like AA presence online is like so nice. It's like very web 1.0 or whatever. <laughs> it is. 0.5. You're so right. Like how they do their schedules and stuff. Like it's super it's funny. Yeah. My, my GeoCities page. Yeah. Yeah. So there's 15 <laughs> little letter codes. And I was like, okay. And I thought yeah. I had figured out the women's only yeah. large group meeting, speaker meeting. So of course I get there and I've written about this and I walk in and it's, there's like, I don't know, 15 people. It's co-ed. Yeah. They all clearly have known each other forever. Yeah. And there was nowhere to hide. So it really was a worst case scenario. Um, they asked me when I came in if I was looking for the like Halloween festival next door, the committee. <laughs> it was the <laughs> Halloween committee. And I was like, this is your out. You could just be like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. And I stayed and I was I was really, really glad I did. But it was it was terrifying. I mean, I've done a lot of things in my life and um I'm still looking back. I was so scared. I ran my first 10 K that same week and I was right. way more scared of the AA meeting That's and I should funny. have been more scared of the 10 K. That's so back. funny. Oh yeah. Well, it's funny. A couple things. It's like when I was reading this today, I, I loved your, 
all the attempts, the things you did to try to quit drinking without actually quitting drinking. I thought yes. that was just absolutely brilliant. And speaking of it, one of them was, I'm just going to lose myself in a giant book. If I'm reading a book, yeah. I won't drink. <laughs> and like, how didn't you run into Infinite Jest? Because like, come on, <laughs> it's the ultimate book. We've had it in our house forever. Like my, there's this funny thing where everyone gives my husband, anytime there's a brand new huge postmodern book mm -hmm. he gets given it as a gift and he doesn't want them but, <laughs> yeah. but it's just this thing they're like oh john will love this huge book so we've had infinite just forever i think i did start it a couple of times yeah. um and then the other one for me was a, um, a suitable boy by vikram seth yes it's yes. giant see i'm the guy it's who gets those books giant. okay yeah. <laughs> that's why i have four copies of underworld you know because people yeah, are underworld. like yeah this is yep. big this is postmodern matt i love right. this it's they're impressive as gifts because they're like big objects <laughs> um, yeah so i did try infinite just and now that i'm in recovery i've been thinking i should try it again mm -hmm. but i don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to tell you, no. I tr I did it. You guys did it right. a while ago. Yeah, I, I just recently did it within the last three years, just to do it. You know, it was like yeah, one exactly. of those things. It was your time. It was great. It was but great. It's a it's, it's a, a commitment. workout. I mean, totally. Yeah, it's, I love his his essays are great. Right. And I loved the the movie about him. I thought it was beautiful. Right. Um, but yeah, it's it's like the something about the paper. You know, I have a girlfriend who read it on her phone. What? Wow. wow. That's insane. <laughs> the that entire is. thing on her phone and and I Sounds was impossible. That's like 5 5 jillion pages How do you of the footnotes. Yeah. Right. I know the well, footnotes. I, I think the hypertext that might help, right? Yeah. Cuz you're not trying yeah. to it's like onion skin paper it's so thin. Yeah. So I was like maybe I should read it on like an iPad. Phone or like an i like a nano or something. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Whatever is there like a meta nano like a really right one? yeah whatever's the tiniest but I might yeah I might give it a shot I mean it's interesting to me that it's partly about we're largely about recovery mm -hmm. although I gather it's largely about tennis too yeah. which I'm right. it's about yeah but it's it's about addiction and tennis an yeah, addiction to tennis our, our <laughs> tennis our tendency to pleasure ourselves to death by whatever means mm. are necessary yeah, yeah. Or available to us yeah so, but I do like a big project so I, I may give it another shot that's good. We'll see. Have you always had this voice as a writer? You know, I I think so. So I've been writing, I mean, since I was probably five. Okay. It's been like my thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think I've always had a pretty distinctive voice. In fact, when I was getting my MFA, you know, 25 years ago, people would always talk about my voice. Mm -hmm. And I think partly that was a way of saying like, you can't plot your way out of a paper bag but you do have a distinctive voice because <laughs> that's um, funny it's you know so you, pl you can't do plot <laughs> but you can freaking write so hard but yeah. you can yeah. write yeah. um so i would write these really kind of postmodern stories that would sort of circle around a subject uh -huh. um which i think can be really cool you know people <clears throat> careers out of that because i didn't actually know how to make anything happen in a story. Um, I think that what's happened since I've gotten sober and really returned to writing is um, I've just gotten blunter. Like I'm not, I have to, I have a subject now. Mm -hmm. And like when I was in my early twenties, I was a very fluent, you know, like talented writer, but I was, you know, as I'm in my early twenties, like mm -hmm. there's only so much that I had to talk about. Mm -hmm. And and what 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 was your addiction, your alcoholism, your substance use like then? It was contained, I would say. Okay. Um, 
when I look back over my history with alcohol, I mean, I think I was the kind of drinker who probably always had a problem. Um, but I kept, I'm also a super tightly controlled person. And so I think I kept it. I worked very hard to keep it under control for a long time. So I was the kind of person who, if I was going to drink, I would probably always have too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I was drinking every night then. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't It wasn't necessarily a nightly habit. But I remember reading Caroline Knapp's book, mm-hmm. A Love Story, when I was like 25. Mm-hmm. And the things she said about I was, she was always watching the level of the bottle mm-hmm. and always wondering where the next bottle was coming mm-hmm. from. I was like, oh, ding, 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 ding. Wow. So you related I, to it at absolutely. that age. I did. I did. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, don't think about this. Yeah. I, I put the book aside and I didn't think about it for another 15 years. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. <laughs> I absolutely related. Even though at that time, you know, I would have been what I thought of as like a normal mm-hmm. drinker. Um, I think part of it is that I've always had a talent for surrounding myself with people who drink about as much as right. I do. Mm-hmm. So I never, you know, it was never like I was so out of whack with my peer group. So it was easy for me to just be like, oh, everything's fine. We're, we're all like this. Um, <laughs> and, and, and could you, and you were obviously were, could write through all this. No, actually no. I didn't. I took 10 years, 12 to, years off. To wow. drink? Well, to drink. It's funny when I I look back and I was such a I was kind of a child prodigy as a writer and I was yeah. winning awards and things as a teenager. I think I kind of burned out. I you know I went to college and then straight to grad school. I went to mm-hmm. a prestigious MFA program at University of Michigan, mm-hmm. and and I got out and it was like I was not ready to really do the work. Mm-hmm. I was so worried about getting a job. I was really worried about supporting myself. I mean, which is you know, I yeah. should have been. Yeah. Um, and I think I just got burned out on like when it got really hard and I had to really try, I just wanted to find something I could be successful at. So I mm-hmm. sort of drifted away and, you know, got some real jobs that were very interesting and all that. Um, but so it's like when I think about what led me away from writing, it mm-hmm. wasn't just drinking. Yeah. But I do think that I got more and more into, you know, my very interesting sort of day job and that led to more and more drinking and the lack of creativity i think led to more and more drinking mm-hmm. and then the drinking led to fatigue mm-hmm. you know this fatigue that i didn't even really recognize yeah. because you know i was hung over for many years and i just thought i was tired yeah. Yeah. um or i was working too hard or something so it was all this sort of vicious cycle so i didn't start writing again seriously until probably 6 or 7 months after i got sober wow and I never thought, I mean, I look back, I didn't think it was coming back. Really? And the fact that it has and that I can actually, like I have stamina mm-hmm. as a writer now, mm-hmm. all these things that I thought were just about me and my temperament that would never change, I think were about, you know, youth and alcoholism. Yeah. Because it turns out I can do this. Yeah. And did it, at any point, did you question whether or not you, you in fact had it? to begin with? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I had decided that I hadn't, that I'd never had it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I thought, well, I had this talent as a kid and I clearly did not have what it takes. Um, because my whole life, you know, up till the age of like 43, when I got sober was really about blaming myself for mm-hmm. my perceived failings. Yeah. Um, 
Oh my God, the, the inner dialogue that you can get in this space, I think is just awesome. Like, yeah, because we all feel this way. And I think the way that you yeah. can just, it, it does it does it come to you? Is it easy to get that out? Because I think the way you describe the way we all beat ourselves up and the way we all, you know, this thing leads to this thing leads to this thing. And we yeah. all have this disease, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I it's It's been easier and easier because once I quit drinking and like the dust started to clear, things just started... And looking back, it seems like, oh, of course, I always figured this all this out really quickly. But just bit by bit, mm-hmm. I started to think, oh, you know, it's becoming clear. And and the thing about getting sober, what it did for me was that I, I had to go really easy on myself. Mm-hmm. And um, I think about like, OK, I was in Italy about seven or eight years ago with my husband. We were staying in this small town for a few weeks. And so we were, you know, cooking and we'd have to go out and do things that were not just normal tourist Italian. And so for instance, going out and buying chicken breast was like a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to go talk to this 90 year old butcher and explain that you wanted them filleted. And so doing something <laughs> really basic like that, we were like, yes, I bought chicken. <laughs> I'm a genius. <laughs> and that was, <laughs> it was just awesome because we both kind of run in these very high achieving circles where you're never, you know, it's like, well, you've done this. What are you going to do for me next? And, Mm -hmm. and getting sober was like that. It was like, I didn't drink today. (laughs) I am a genius. (laughs) And it taught me and it forced me to have to do that and just be like, I may have fucked up everything else I did today, but I didn't drink. And, and it was a real accomplishment. And the rest of my life since then has kind of fallen in, like, I don't, think I have higher standards for myself now mm-hmm. and certainly the people around me do but it it made me realize that I couldn't I couldn't beat myself up over everything or I was going to drink again. Yeah. I couldn't have every thing every part of my life have to be a work of art. Mm-hmm. And it's changed the way I do everything has changed the way I work, certainly changed my my writing. Um like I actually get to live as a human now and I I don't think I think I kind of held myself to a, I was like, I wanted to be part Barbie doll, part like Joan Didion, part CEO. Like yeah. mm-hmm. it was terrible. Like this impossible set. Well, I wonder, I mean, obviously if you have this prodigy, I mean, that seems like a lot of pressure just right. as a, at such a young age. And you yeah. see this in all kinds of people who child actors, athletes, you just get in trouble yeah. with this incredible weight of expectations that they have. Yeah. Right. And they have to just put all that together. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, you want to, it was the way I would please people, Mm -hmm. you know, by being talented and you get positive reinforcement. So of course we all want that. And, um, I think I just decided very early on, like this was going to be my thing. And I didn't really explore. And part of it was out of passion. Like I love to write. It's, I feel like I'm doing the thing that I was put on earth to do when I'm writing, especially if I'm writing well, <laughs> it's not so much of a sign going well, but, yeah. but I, um, so I never had a plan B, you know, my plan was really to, I went to, to school. I went to a kind of an experimental college where they let me do what I wanted. And I wrote for four years and then I went to grad school right away, very young, about 10 years younger than a lot of my classmates. And my plan was that I would be a famous writer by the time I was like 25. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I was I was actually listening to another podcast last night with this writer who just published her first book. Um, it's a great book called The Nest. And oh, she, yeah. I gather, is in her late 40s, maybe, maybe 
50 ish. And she had taken a lot of time off to have kids. And she said there was a lot of shame for her around the fact that she had not been writing for 15 or 20 years. Mm -hmm. And I just stopped in my tracks and I was like, you know, that's, that's what it was for me too. There was Mm -hmm. all this shame over, um, not writing. Yeah. Was that always there? Like this nagging thing that you had just yeah. you were doing it like uh it's just there all the time all the time for 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 15 years years while I was actually doing a lot of other yeah you know like interesting and and hard things but there was this shame that I wasn't using I don't know it's almost like like I tend to only believe in God for the bad things mm-hmm. you know like this is guy who's probably God's given me. me this talent I'm not gonna use it for right. the, except for he He's, gave me this He's really irritated and yeah. he's just so bummed out with, oh, Christy, what's, <laughs> what's her problem? Um, and so I would have this nagging feeling that, yeah, I was probably letting down like the supreme being of the universe if he exists. Yeah. He's thinking about me all the time, first mm-hmm. of all. and um, Of course. And, and yeah, that I was sort of wasting my life. I mean, mm-hmm. if, I, I guess that's, yeah, I, I, I thought I was and I would try to come up with other ways I was being creative. Like I love to cook and I would right. think, well, now I'm putting my creativity into cooking and yeah, that's creative, but it, it wasn't what I should have been doing, mm. but there's that should have, I mean, should have also yeah. got me into all kinds of trouble. Um, but I'm trying now and now I'm haunted. So I'm 46 and I feel like it's just, I'm also highly neurotic and I'm like, well, what if, you know, what if it's too late? What if, mm what if I die next year? And, um, you know, all kinds of crazy things, but I'm not planning on dying next year. Like there's no reason to think that that's going to happen. Good. Good. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. But you never know. It could, you know, absolutely. A a piano could follow me. Sure. (laughs) So there's a little bit of that. You could fall on a piano. I could fall on a piano. There's a little bit bit of that, um, beat the clock feeling, but you know what? Honestly, I wasn't set up to succeed at this when I was, a kid when I was 25. I mean, I, I needed to get out in the world. I needed to see a lot. I needed to develop a drinking problem and, and fight my way back. And I'm much tougher now. Mm -hmm. And I'm, um, and I have stuff to say that I I just did before. Yeah. You've gone on your hero's journey and you've been through your supreme ordeal, right? I hope so. Come out. Yeah. You never know. There'll (laughs) be something else around the corner. Yeah, sure. I'm kind of like, I'd like to coast for a little while. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's fine. Do you think do you think your intellect prevented you from getting sober for a while? Do you think you out tried to outthink it for a long time? Yes. I, I definitely do. Yeah. Um I it's almost like I thought I was too smart to, you know, get addicted to something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I I I rationalized it for a long time. Um oh yeah. I mean everything you could possibly do to avoid getting sober. I did, yeah. you know, I had, and, and I talk about it in that, that essay about like some of the things, I mean, like I tried crafting. Oh my God. The crafting <laughs> one was brilliant. Craft like, your way out. Yeah. yeah. The whole, your slippery whole slope. I know. God. exactly. But the, when your, your dog died, I'm like, oh my God, the yeah. dog dies in the middle of the story. Oh and, yeah. My poor dog. Jeez. And, yeah. and it sounded like it lived a good life. Oh yeah, she was eleven. Yeah. And um and it was kind of a sudden thing, but but you know, I was on this like week this cleanse. I mean, basically I didn't need to like cleanse myself of gluten or anything. It was all just basically to cut out alcohol for the week. Right. So I spent like eight hundred dollars on this special wow. food thing. And then my dog died and I was like, Well the hell with it. Yeah. 
and and the tricky thing for me was I wanted to want to get sober. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's why I tried all this stuff. And eventually I was like, okay, you have to just get sober. Yeah. I, I know. That's it. funny. It's you like have you're to trying... want it. Yeah. Not the yeah. idea of it. Um, but, but I love that thought of, I just want to do, I don't want to actually quit drinking. I want to do right. anything that will circle around to allow me to want to quit drinking right exactly i'm gonna try everything meditation yeah. i love that one that's a great one you yep. yeah 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 it's hypnosis that... oh yeah, <laughs> i love that. that yeah yeah i thought and 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 i loved my I, it turns out like i'm very hip suggestible or hypnotizable or something um, so i loved it i'm like i was actually thinking now about doing it for running because i want to become like a faster runner and i think that I have mental problems that are stopping me, and I so I might try it again. But wow. but for drinking, I um, yeah, because I figured like if Olymp, I bet Olympic athletes get hypnotized. Yeah. So I was like, well, why not me? Yeah. Acupuncture? <laughs> um, did you try acupuncture? That that's the one I that would have worked. Oh, you did. Okay, sorry. That's the one I that would have worked. <laughs> I tried that, uh. and it made me relax, but it didn't. The thing is, I was never committed. In fact, I remember this now when I when I got hypnotized at the end of the session. The, the hypnotherapist said, well, today would be a really good day for you to not drink because you're, you're going to cement that commitment to yourself. And I remember thinking, wait, what? Not drink? Um, I was just not committed. Yeah. And I was like, oh, sure. Okay. I mean, I totally lied and said, absolutely. But the idea that I would, I was terrified of like wanting something and not being able to have it mm-hmm. as, as I wanted it. And so the idea that I would not drink and that I would be uncomfortable, it was it was just not like I'm actually feeling it in my body right now as I'm saying it. Like the idea of that was just terrifying to me. I couldn't I couldn't stand the thought of it. What's what's fascinating? So there was a, I mean a compulsion to figure out how to want to not drink. Yeah. What yeah. was dri- what was. What was driving that? Was there a, a, a bottom? Can I mean? Can, was I, there? There I mean, wasn't a dramatic bottom, but I knew that I was just running out of gas as a as a person. So it's just the I, exhaustion of. Yeah, it was the exhaustion, and I knew that I was drinking. I mean, I was drinking at my worst. You know, like regularly a bottle of wine a night, and mm-hmm. sometimes more. Um, so it wasn't the dramatic, you know, six bottles a day or something, but it's a lot. Yeah. Knew that like it was bad for my health. I mean, all these intellectual things. And I was desperately unhappy in my life. Mm-hmm. I was, work was, was frustrating and I was traveling a lot for work that last year. There was one time I, I, I went to Iceland four times in a year without ever leaving the airport oh <laughs> because gosh. I was flying to Europe all the time, which sounded really glamorous. Yeah, it does. So yeah. you do it four straight times and you're like, oh, yeah. it's not that great. And I would be in the Iceland airport in this beautiful business class lounge at six in the morning watching like businessmen drink Jägermeister <laughs> and and just trying to figure out like, what's the yogurt? Like, is this yogurt? Can I eat this? Is this something different? Yeah. And just totally just miserable. And I did have a couple of nights, like I was working in um, – in publishing at the time for for the, the the tech company I worked for, and so we'd have these. And publishing's really boozy, and tech is really boozy. And so we'd have these big client dinners, and mm-hmm. everybody would get drunk. And and then I'd come back to my hotel, and I would keep drinking because mm-hmm. I didn't have an off switch. And I had a couple nights where I just remember just being 
utterly despondent at like two in the morning, like crying, unable mm-hmm. to stop crying, just sitting in my hotel room alone, knowing in the morning how awful I was going to feel. Mm-hmm. And just with this feeling of like, there's no way out of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, and, that's and scary. It, it was really scary. And the mm-hmm. idea that there was no way out is not something I was used to feeling. Like I've always been able to plan or think my way out of a bad situation like yeah. you know i know how to get things done and this is a situation where i had no idea how to get anything done yeah. and so that's kind of what drove me to it um a friend was asking me today she said you know what what made you finally stop and i said i i can't i don't know yeah. it was like i woke up one day and i just i just thought that's it it was another beautiful saturday i had a headache and my, I know my husband was going to be out of town all week. And I thought, well, here's a way I can, if I'm totally going to lose it and melt down, I can be alone. <laughs> right. That was important to yeah, me. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if, I just if it's going to get oh, ugly. If it's going to get ugly, which it didn't. Um, but I thought I can be alone and do this. And that was actually great for me. I'm a very like, I'm sort of famously, or he would say I'm famously secretive. Mm. Like I will do things, um, I don't know what did I what did I I forgot what I but I'll, I'll just do things where I'll I'll do something without telling him mm-hmm. and and then I'll be like oh have you noticed anything different you know <laughs> <laughs> be like what did you do you know um, so by the time he got back I was like well I'm eight days sober <laughs> that's good and, and, so is he like and and so you were with him this whole time was he did yeah. he obviously know you had a drinking problem and were like oh my god you need to get sober what. Well, all this. We, so he's gotten sober since I did too. So oh, he, so he was but, a boozer himself. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. I mean, he was, he that was works out. When I was for a while, it worked out really well. And <laughs> and he had started cutting back before I did. So I look back and I'm like, we were totally codependent. Yeah. Not in a Sid and Nancy way. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been so. I look at like all the movies about drinkers and drug <laughs> drug takers and. It's again, we had this intellect and like a successful yeah. life, and it was like, yeah. oh no, we just like to go out and you know yeah, drink cocktail. Fine. Yeah, have normal people do. And yeah, and so um, he had already cut back a lot, and I think he put some rules in place for himself after I quit, where he he didn't drink at home anymore. He would only drink if he yeah. went out, which he didn't mm-hmm. do very often. Or, but it was pretty soon. I think he was like, I'm just going to quit too, and and so we both. I guess he's about six months behind me, but. But yeah, we both are kind of like, oh, wow, we really, had a, we really had a problem. But again, it was the people we, we, sure. we were surrounded with. Like, it was just easy to ignore. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Yeah. Well, it's funny, and I just you talking about this. It's you cannot outsmart this thing, right? No, no, no it will so get funny. you absolutely, and especially they talk about this terminal uniqueness yeah. that a lot of us have. Yeah. And when you and I can really relate, you know, coming up, my family, my teachers in academia. Even professionally, yeah. everybody tells you you're different, right? You're special. Yep. You're 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 unique. You're the snowflake. You're yeah. And then yeah. all of a sudden, you have to forget all of that because <laughs> right. when I remember hearing when they read how it works in a meeting, it starts with rarely have we seen a person fail. Not never, but rarely. Right. And I thought, well, there's my out. Like I'm exactly. rare. I'm, I'm the exception to this shit. But um, but that <laughs> that uh, that terminal uniqueness. Um, yeah. it's, it's kind of wonderful. I I love. I love being ordinary in this way. I mean, it's, I was always sort of a special flower growing mm-hmm. up and, mm-hmm. you know, in good ways and bad. And, and 
I, I kind of love it. And it, I experienced it at work too. I work for a, a, a large Seattle based tech company that you have probably bought things from. Mm. And, um, and well I'm no Kojak. I'm, oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We're well known for having a very. A, a, attracting like really brilliant best and brightest people and for being really hard charging. And um, so you get there and the first thing you realize is, Oh, I'm not actually the smartest person. Yeah. in the world. Like I'm never the smartest person in the room anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah. So that's been really good for me. But then also <clears throat> recognizing, you know, that, Oh, here's another way I'm not special. I kind of feel like my entire like life path is about finding all the ways that I'm not actually special. Yeah. God, that's and, crazy. and I like it. It's yeah. a, well, it's a relief, right? I mean, the weight <laughs> of, Personally, I mean, the weight of others' expectations of one's specialness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's a burden that can get really, really heavy at times, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, well, that's crazy. I mean, and you kind of grew up like that, right? Like, that's what's your childhood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was like, it was the thing where you're the, you know, the, I was plucked out for a gifted program early on. And, um, you know, when I was like three, there's a family like story us. that my parents, um, you know, they thought I was a weird kid because I was like hyperverbal and like I talked something like a year before I walked. <laughs> it's just, I just wow. sat around <laughs> really enormously huge baby talking and like not moving. And, and, and so the, <laughs> Very, that sounds horrifying. Yeah. It was, I know it was kind of weird. And they took me to a psychiatrist to find out like, what's, what's her deal? And, and he was like, you know, that, that I wasn't, he was like, no, there's nothing wrong with her. She's brilliant. Like she has like my IQ was high or something. And so it's, that becomes the family story. And, yes. and I grew up in a family of academics. And mm. so, um, you know, my dad is an academic and, and so that's, that's kind of what it's all about. So, um, you know, and it's not so different from how a lot of kids grew up. You know, sure. it was in a gifted program, you're special, your grades should be really high, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, it gets kind of tiring, you know. Um, I was also a stage kid for a long time. I was a performer. Wow, that's um, like a double. That's like a double whammy. Exactly. Right? So, so you're literally performing to please people. Like I was in musicals and it's just weird. I look back and I'm like, what was what was going on? Um but yeah, so to just get to be like an ordinary mm -hmm. person at some point is is a huge relief, and I feel like it's actually bringing me closer to other people. Mm -hmm. um, I love that. That's kind of one reason at some point I'm going to get back to another AA meeting to like my mm. second one, because I did like being in a room with all these people who were, you know, I mean, we're all sort of socioeconomically probably in the same boat, but you know, varying in age and and. Um, mm -hmm gender and it wasn't not race in this case but you know different experiences and mm -hmm. and we all had so much in common um mm -hmm. you start talking to another addict and you can really get right to it right exactly yeah they know exactly what it's like yeah and and in a strange way i find that i get that uniqueness fix by opting out of company yes. functions in which everybody is drinking like i still yes. get to be kind of an outlier mm -hmm. and a little bit of a contrarian by saying oh you guys go have fun i'm yeah. not gonna go I'm not going to do it. Yeah. It's great if you're I'm an different. I am. You can just, it's a great opt out. You oh. can be like, no, I'm going to go be sober over here. Yeah. Best excuse ever, really. It is. It is. Um, I do find it hard. Like I've, I've become very aware since I got sober of just how much of the culture is right. built on drinking. Mm -hmm. um, I try not to be super judgmental, like, like some blue stocking, you know, old lady or something, mm -hmm. but 
but really it's i mean our like on the campus of my company a pharmacy opened up this local chain and they have a whole wall of like beer growlers and on a friday there's like 15 people in line you know beer growlers. filling What's up these beer, a beer a growler it's like a um it's like a, a gallon mug. of beer yeah, it's like a gallon of beer. No, it's like it's a little sort of. It's a way to get keg. beer on tap and not have like a whole keg. I guess I never was a mm-hmm. beer drinker, so I don't. But it's a big in the Northwest beer culture. Oh yeah, yeah, it's beer culture up it, there, man. It's all everything's very beerish. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> so you're in this pharmacy where it's supposed beer. to be about like health, yes. medicine, health, medicine, you. And, then, and there's like literally 15 people filling up gallons of beer. <laughs> always when there's an internal um you know oh come find out about this this part of the company that's hiring it's always like there will be beer you know it's a great and i think people there pizza beer yeah i think any tech we use donuts in the midwest but i'm just saying yeah i would i mean that would we have some (laughs) excellent donuts in seattle and that that would get me places (laughs) but i i think it's like you um there's a lot of young people Mm -hmm. you know tech is kind of a young person's industry and, you know, I part of it is just me being kind of old and crabby and like, oh, you people with your beer. Get off um, the lawn. Yeah, get off my lawn. You know, some people have to go work out after this. or, But, um, you know, it's it's just everything's very beer oriented. And I've noticed it with um, like with women, too. I think there's more and more just boozy stuff that's yeah. kind of targeted directly at women. And it's become like socially acceptable for women to just be kind of a wreck. Yeah. It's equal rights, man. Women can do anything a man can do. Exactly. But, but, and even better. In their lives. It's going to be a bigger train wreck than we ever could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So here's my question. Chris, as you know, doesn't go to meetings. Matt and I do. And so we're yeah. very steeped into recovery. But mm-hmm. my contention was that Chris went on his own sort of recovery journey, but not mm-hmm. being in recovery, sort of having to clean his side of the street up i guess mm-hmm. in a way right. um and i'm wondering how your journey's been without actual 12 steps but if you've sort of felt yourself it's obviously you have real self-awareness and you've been able to write about this in such a interesting way in such a vivid way your your journey and your day 939 in this medium post and all that stuff but i'm wondering like if you found yourself doing that <clears throat> yeah i am um... I definitely had support from the get-go. Like I, um, do you guys know Bell's website, Tired of Thinking About Drinking? Uh, I do know the name. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's really great. And I actually had, I found it because I Googled that phrase because that's what I was more than tired of drinking. I was tired of thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And she did this thing. It's the hundred day challenge. It was basically that you quit for a hundred days and you email her every day and just say, I'm sober. And, um, and, and that was what gave me the courage to start. So I had this community around me from, from the first day. Um, it was just a virtual community and a couple people in my life knew that I, that I wasn't drinking. Um, and so it was like this very practical kind of not about becoming a better person. I just wanted the pain to stop. Um, and I wanted to be doing something about it. I didn't really anticipate it becoming kind of like a spiritual, you know, emotional journey. Mm-hmm. It quickly did. I mean, I, within like 10 days, I think hmm. I was I was starting to recognize things and, and to feel things and to realize that it wasn't bad to feel things. Yeah. 
I was still dead set against AA. I don't know why. Yeah. Except that I just don't like to go places or talk to people. Ouch. That's yeah. yeah. Tooth strike two. It's kind of the yeah. bedrock. And, <laughs> you gotta go somewhere and you these gotta go somewhere. fucking you gotta people. people. There's people. They want to talk about feelings. I mean, I was just like, <laughs> nope, not for me. And I had wow. blogged something about it. And there was this guy Paul who was a blogger. I don't think he blogs anymore, but he was wonderful. I think he's been on your show. Yeah. And he said, oh, there's actually a phrase for that. It's called contempt prior to investigation. And I was like, no. Mm. You know, yeah. talk about not being special. I was like, there's actually a name for what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, I thought the and, condition would be named after me. Exactly. <laughs> like, this is not a condition. <laughs> and I thought about it and I realized I have this history of there's things that I end up really loving that I, I have great contempt for, like Sylvia Plath's poetry. Interesting. As a teenager, I loathed. Yeah. And now I love it. The Hoodoo Gurus is great. Australian. Yeah, rock. sure. Mystery and, Love 69. Come yeah. on. I used to hate it. Hey, wow. yeah. Yeah. yeah, like Wow Wipeout. That's yeah. an awesome Yeah, like Wow Wipeout. Okay. I hated them as a teenager. I don't know why. Now but now I'm obsessed with them. And so I was like, <laughs> AA is like. Well, that's kind of a dumb name, but. Your Hoodoo Gurus. Yeah. Of, you know, yeah, it is kind of a dumb name. Um, and so when I finally. So I was like, okay, well, it's a thing, this contempt prior to investigation. I started linking it to other things like this, you know, important things like the Hoodoo Gurus that mm-hmm. I had hated. Mm-hmm. Um, Tomatoes, another thing I mm, now I love. And the so, gurus um, of the vegetable kingdom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Fruit kingdom. The yeah, fruit fruit. kingdom. I was going to say it. But... <laughs> <All right. laughs> so when I finally, but what finally got me to AA was just that I was, I was really lonely. Um, it wasn't that I felt like I needed the support so much. Like I wasn't worried about, sobriety clicked for me really fast and it hmm. became very clear that this was the right way for me to live. But I, I just felt like I needed friends mm-hmm. and I didn't know how to make sober friends. Interesting, um, yeah. Other than going to AA. And and what I've realized since then is it's not necessarily that I need friends who are sober. Um, I need friends who get it, who mm-hmm. understand what it's like to have gone through something really hard and who know how to live in a way that's unconventional, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, but, but they don't have to be non-drinkers. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of what, I, I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, but you did. No, you did. Yeah. And, and there's, you, you touched on spirituality a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. Do you have a God? You using that God? I mean, what's going on? I have like this vague, <laughs> like I have the bad, you know, I have the God who gets angry. Like, mm. yeah. I have a um you don't have like, a good god yet no i would like I, that would be great like i'm 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 waiting <laughs> I, I, i've got your god <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's like anytime you want to show up like i'm actually really jealous of people who i always think about people who become like born again like mm-hmm. i'm like that's got to be kind of awesome like mm-hmm. you suddenly your sins are washed away like i i will take that yeah that's that's cool um I don't, I don't have that, but, Mm. um, I definitely have the sense of when people say like the sense of surrender Mm -hmm. Yeah. that like I had to, I absolutely had that. Like I had a moment, it was after I quit drinking. Um, but I was like, okay, I get it. Like I'm, this is not, it can be real. That's a really powerful experience, isn't it? Cause you fought, 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 fought intellectually. And then all of a sudden you flip, something happens and you quit. You quit and fighting and you feel there's a power there, right? It's very empowering. The yeah. second you, it's you empowering, yeah, or something. You 
it's like you give up power over this one little thing yeah. and you get power over so much else. And I, it took me, you know, 10 or 12 years to understand that, that, that saying you're powerless over alcohol mm-hmm. is, it's not, it's not as big a deal as people think it's going to be. Yeah, and, huh? it, and what you get, what you get in return. I mean, I had no idea things were going to be this good. Yeah. Oh, I just good didn't want to be, uh, I just didn't want to drink alcoholically anymore. Yeah. Um, but I got, I got way, I mean, like I won this bargain. Yeah. 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 I, I love, uh, your post right after you had had two years sober of just, what did the, I say? uh, you were just talking about the things that had changed in your life and, and mm-hmm. talked about them in universal terms. Like you can expect this, you can expect your husband to stop as well. You could expect yeah. that you will have run two 10 Ks and maybe more, yeah. Um, yeah. but I, having just had two years myself, I related to it absolutely because to me it was about our inability to project a positive scenario. Right. And and just how attainable yeah. all that all those yeah. things are. You know, everybody says, Well, if you if you write your best case scenario, you're gonna be selling yourself short because mm-hmm. it'll get even better. And it sounded like such bullshit. Yeah. But it does. It's not. It sounds like bullshit. Even when I when I try to picture saying it to people now and I do try to write about it, but I know that people are reading it and being like yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, there's probably something special about her that she was able to make this happen. Mm. And you have to do it for yourself. And it, and it takes time. I start seeing the benefits really fast. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've got friends who are in early recovery who, who are still kind of like every day is really difficult. Mm. And that did not, I mean, I had really tough times for sure, but that was not my experience. Things kind of clicked for me, but, um, but yeah, things got better so fast, but I never could have imagined. I mean, just my life is better in ways that I just, and it's not even things that I've accomplished. Like, yeah, I'm writing books and, mm-hmm. and my career is going well, but it's just like, I just feel calmer. Well, yeah. I mean, that's one thing is I've been, you know, I've struggled with anxiety and depression my whole okay. life. And I always, and I've been on some kind of medication for depression since I was like 21. And I probably always will be. I'm just, Mm -hmm. I think I'm one of those people who has the gene. But I think I'm probably 50% less less prone to depression and anxiety now. Like my symptoms were cut at least in half. Mm -hmm. And all I had to do was stop drinking alcohol. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. that is huge. It is huge. it's not taken away, you know, the, the everything or the need to be probably to be medicated. I mean, right. I could experiment with that at some point, but, um, I kept waiting to, I was like, well, I'll quit drinking when my anxiety gets better. Yeah. Interesting. And eventually I was like, Oh, what if you, <laughs> Yeah. what if you flip that? Yeah. And, and it's been a miracle. I yeah. mean, just a miracle. And I forget about what's a little dangerous for me now. It's three years in. I forget this stuff sometimes. Yeah. It's easy to write about it and talk about it because I don't I don't want to forget how bad it was before. I'm curious. Were you a runner before or or was that? I was um, sort of I had been a serious yoga practitioner for like a decade. Right. Um, That was another way I tried to quit drinking. Yeah, I like that. That was a a good plan. I thought, oh, that's going to work for sure. It it should have worked. So maybe if I'd been willing to try actually quitting drinking, it would have worked. Um, (laughs) But I had I had started running probably a year and a half before. Okay. It was out of this idea that um, I, my husband had started running, and my I'd been working out with a trainer, and he had started running. And everyone would say, I said, "Oh, I hate running," and they said, "Oh, you do? How do you know?" And I was like, "Oh, well, when I was twelve, I hated running." Mm-hmm. 
And I thought, well, there's a lot of things you hated when you were 12 <laughs> that you really like now. Hoodoo gurus. <laughs> yeah, hoodoo yeah. gurus, you know. Um, tomatoes, yeah. French kissing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, well, maybe we should test this theory. So I went and got myself a pair of shoes. And I actually have an essay that's going in my my book proposal about like my early running days. And, um, and I hated it, but it somehow calmed me down too. But I, I think I definitely did it because I thought running would make me want to quit drinking. Mm -hmm, it was another mm -hmm. thing that was somehow magically supposed to make me like too tired to drink or something. Um, so I, yeah, it didn't really click for me till after I quit drinking. I think I started to have the energy to focus on it seriously and to also lighten up, you know, like once it no longer had the weight of saving my life, right. it could just be a thing I did. You yeah. Know? yeah. Like I was asking, a, I was asking a lot of it. Now I love it. I mean, yeah. it's terrible, but, um, That's so funny. but it's, I don't know if terrible. I could get into running. I don't know why it just seems really yeah. hard. It's right? really hard. It's really, really hard. Yeah. I think it's like you have to, what I do but is, is, I is it a better high than anything else? Like we all work out, but runner's yeah. high, is it just yeah. a better pure high than other working out things? I think so. Like I love yoga. I, yeah. I like, I do lots weights. of yoga. Matt, the, I mean, Chris does the Peloton. What's that called? Peloton. The Peloton. Yeah. The Peloton. But I mean, yeah. I love running now too. You do? Yeah. I mean, I haven't been in a bit, but I love running. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But is it a better high? Is there like a moment where it clicks and you're like, oh, this is awesome. I think so. It, for me, it's often it's afterwards. Like it's it's and for a while it was like the high of like having run. Like oh, I did it. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not doing it, and I feel good. But part of it is like I live in an extraordinarily beautiful part of the country, mm -hmm. and <clears throat> and we can run all year here. I mean, I lived in Michigan for many years, so I know. And I think I think St. Louis is similar. Like mm -hmm. it gets icy and snowy and right. and kind of dodgy. But here it's like if you don't mind rain. Right. Um, and you're lit up, um, you can kind of get outside all year round. And yeah. so part of it is just getting out in nature. I, I don't really trail run that much anymore, but you can. I mean, I can, a quarter mile from my house, there's a park that Olmstead, who designed Central Park, designed, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you can get out and be in these ravines. And yeah. um, and it's also, it's the aloneness of it. Like, I mostly run alone. Yeah. My jobs have always been very... I'm interacting with people all day, like very intense, intensively. And so it's the fact that I can be alone. The other thing is I, I took it up because you can do it anywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. um, when I was traveling a lot, I was like, oh, if I just have shoes, I could be in London, I could be, you know, in Munich, I could be in New York, and I can run anywhere I want. And that is an amazing way to see the yeah, world. That is cool. Say. Yeah, absolutely. But it sucks. Running is, is, it's really, it sucks. I mean, I've never been injured so much. <laughs> no, I know. That's what I think. Like, it fucking hurts, right? Yeah. It, it does. I'm always, it like, hurts. beat up after I run. Like, oh. I'm always, yeah. there's trepidation in trying new things because I mm -hmm. have such an addictive personality. I'm almost <laughs> yeah. afraid I'm going to like it. You know, like, <laughs> right. I, I just, just what recently. What if I enjoy this? <laughs> yeah, like, gotten used to the idea of exercise and, and diet. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And now I'm a freak, yeah. you know, and there's yeah. no, there, there's just no, there's no, no gray up. anything. Yeah, yeah. It's all yeah. extremism or complete abstinence. So. <laughs> but that, and that's like, but that's like that's funny. The, one of the recovery cliches though, right? I mean, yeah. particularly yeah. early recovery. It's like you start, I mean, that's what I did. I started working out like a maniac. Yeah. I replaced you my addiction that. with working yeah. out. Yeah. And that's how I, I was in the same boat. I was certain I absolutely hated running. And um, because I didn't like it when I was in high school. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, 14 years later, I fell in love with it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was, you know, 
essentially an addiction replacement yeah. to a large degree, but good, certainly healthier, like, more healthy than, yeah. yeah. It's not the worst. Like yeah. a, a physical therapist yeah. can actually, if you get addicted, like you will get some sort of overuse injury, but you right. can get over it. Like you're not going to, like your legs won't mm. fall off, yeah. but you will, you do get hurt. But I, I suspect you will not love it so much at first that you can't stop. Right. Yeah. yeah no, no, yeah. It doesn't you, won't, you won't come in. Yeah. Wait, where is because... he going? He's going to run again. Yeah. Stop him. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I was up running last night. And, uh... Right. You're going to be dying to stop. I found, I, I followed a plan and that was the that was the way I got, I got a training plan that was like a half marathon training plan. Mm-hmm. And, Cause I liked the idea that every day it would just tell me what to do. I wouldn't have to think about it. Yeah. And, um, and then you start doing these things you never thought you could do. Like my, my long weekend run would be nine miles. And wow. That's insane. That yeah. sounds crazy. And, but I would do it. And, um, and you just start to feel good about yourself. Like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I can, I can do hard things. Yep. And it all kind of, for me, it's all played into how it, now it's like, oh, I can write a novel or I yeah. can, because I've run half marathons and I quit yeah. drinking. And, you know, you just start stacking up hard things and, and you start mm-hmm. wanting to do other hard things. You just need to make them the right hard things. Like, right. I don't believe in doing tough things just for the, the hell of it. No. You know? Yeah. Do you think uh, going to AA is in your future? I think so. I think okay. because I, I really, I, the time I went was so nerve wracking. Um, but then it was so comforting at the same time. I was like, Oh, these people are just like me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's something in me, like there's a reason I haven't been back. And, and my shallow reason is like, Oh, I'm really busy. And, and yeah, I am. But like, guess what? So are a lot of people. Um, there's a meeting in Seattle that my husband's been to a handful of times and it's like the, it's known as like the who's who of Seattle Mm. recovery people. Like it's like, it's, we're all like the, the, the the jet set of Seattle. meetings like that in LA that you're like, yeah, yeah, London. I used to go to one London. It was like a who's who of, they'd be like, Oh, there's so anyway, which is kind of, I'm so shallow that I'm like, totally. That, um, but it's at seven in the morning, mm. and <laughs> like, I can't tell by our like, enthusiastic. Yeah, it's crazy, and it's actually it's a cool. It's they're overachievers. Kind of... That's what time they get up. They're fucking eating oh. millions of dollars for breakfast. That's oh, why well. they're at seven in the morning. And some of them, my husband was like, some it's on a it's in a boathouse on a lake, and you know we have a couple huge lakes here, and some mm-hmm. of the people like they Boat? kayak themselves yeah. over from their houses on like Mercer wow. Island. And yeah, so I will be like the low person. You need to go total. downtown Seattle. Sounds like an episode of Silicon Valley. Hardcore, yeah. yeah. It does. It does. Totally. Well, you know what's so sad is so my company, you know, we have these. It's I can't huge... believe you don't have a meeting on your company campus. Well, that's the thing. I started thinking there's got to be. So totally. we have these, mm-hmm. these internal wikis for everything. I mean, literally for like yeah. transgender friendly dentists. Yeah. I mean, this is how specific mm. it gets. <laughs> and because we're very gay and transgender friendly yeah. and there's not so i started searching like alcohol alcoholics anonymous there's no internal wiki or email list for people in recovery wow. and which is crazy and i started thinking okay there's got to be like i'll just find like a meeting our neighborhood is called south south lake union and i thought there's got to be a meeting here and i can't find anything it's wow. all sort of like very gritty uber downtown seattle meetings um in like you know facilities and so i am part of me is like now that i'm basically very publicly you know out as being in recovery it's like there's i know (laughs) i know there's maybe more alcoholics than average at you know 
in the community I live in just yeah. because it's such a hard charging place. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, we should, we should totally have AA meetings. Yeah. I'm surprised. Well, you don't. well yeah. and the other thing I'm curious, uh, smart, smart recovery. Have you, have you ever looked into that? Yeah. I read the, there's a book, right? There's like a, <clears> there is. The, yeah. I like that book a lot. Um, well, yeah, no, they have a workbook and then also meetings. And the reason I ask is um, another person I know and who's written for the site mm -hmm. um, in Seattle uh, okay. tried AA and uh, and and didn't That's find a, a meeting there that yeah. she liked and now she's yeah. going to a smart recovery yeah. meeting. I should look into that because that's something I'd be really open to. Um, I will say that the AA meeting I went to was, I mean, Seattle is so, it's, it's such a secular city. Mm -hmm. um, it was like they said the word God, but like nobody, you know, it was, it was like the Unitarian God or something, mm -hmm. um, which is how I was raised. So that's, right. I guess that's my conception of God. You know, right. he's a, he's a, he's a social progressive. Right. Um, he's an art teacher. Yeah. He's an art He's teacher, cool. right? He just wants us all to get along and use our underwear. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, that's awesome. But, but I do think um, the community would be nice. I mean, that's the thing is you want to meet. Yeah, that's what that's yeah. what you you'll get out of it. The fellowship is awesome. The fellowship, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think I you'll enjoy it either way. Yeah, but I think I, you might geek out on it. It's a brilliant program. The big book's amazing. The yeah. history of it's amazing. I mean, all that stuff is pretty. A pretty cool shit. And what are we going to in Austin that we're going to invite you to right now? Oh, uh, it's going to be amazing. The Waftiac, the second annual Waftiac, uh, which is convention, which is we agnostics and free thinkers in wow. AA. Come on, is in Austin oh, in November. Come on, rolls That's off the tongue. Time to go to Austin too because it won't be a hundred degrees. Right. right. Oh, that would be really cool. I've never been to Austin, actually. Oh, really? Oh, it's it'll be a good time to go. Yeah. We'll, we'll oh, uh, we show you a good time. Go. A and city. then we'll go to Marfa. My husband and I are always like, we want to go to Marfa, Texas, just because it's great a things about Marfa. What's that? Yeah. Is it by Austin? It's, oh, it's I don't know. It's Marfa? such a huge state. Marfa. Yeah, Marfa. I was just. How come I, I've never heard does. of Marfa? Apropos, we were, we're talking about it at work right now, but oh. yeah, it's a... It's super hipstery. It's like an art... Yeah. It's tiny. Like, it's like, you know, a thousand people live there, but it's an art center. A friend wow. of ours, uh, David H. got married in Marfa. Oh. Yeah. There's like a fake Prada store in the desert that like Prada built as um, right. I don't know, some sort of installation. Yeah, it's yeah. an art installation. It's a, It looks like a retail store. But yeah. there's no commerce that takes place there. And it's literally it's in the, the middle, middle of a stretch of a yeah. deserted highway. Yeah. It's wow. like surrounded by tumbleweeds. What's it? I mean, is it like do you go to Austin to drive there? Or what city do you fly into to get to Marfa? I, it's I only don't know what it's closest to. Okay. You can only get there by foot. Okay. Two right. days hike from Austin. Yes. <laughs> and they beat you with sticks <laughs> along the way. Dang. You've and then you really beat yourself with a stick. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, well, we'll do an Austin Marfa trip, I guess. Add <laughs> Marfa to the agenda. There's this. There's some hotel there that's all old, mm -hmm. restored Airstream trailers, which mm -hmm. I, I guess is where people love to stay. And because it's like I don't know. I mean, it's very hipsterish. But like I, I'm a little. I don't like to think of myself as hipsterish, but mm -hmm. I, you know, You're there's there is it is in me. There's <laughs> it lives I, within me. <laughs> I could never self-identify as a hipster yeah. because yeah. I I think I'm too hip. You know. No, exactly. but but no, it's. My husband and I are always like, we think that we're bohemians, you know, like we think yeah. of ourselves because we love mm. art and good books and like, we're no, we're not fucking bohemians, you yeah. know, yeah. like we tech, I drive a BMW, like yeah. we have 
golden retrievers. Like that's yeah, exactly. Not... It's not super on brand for Bohemia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we that's... feel like Bohemians. Yeah, it's a state of mind, really. Yeah. So you can shower every day and still be a Bohemian. Come on. Yeah. Well, my thing now is I I think I we need to rebrand sobriety as like mm-hmm. it is, and this is happening. It's cool. Right. Like it's not. It's not it's, boring. No. No. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. It's cool. It's it's Bohemian. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, no, and you're, but you're exactly right. And we we I, I don't know. We sort of danced around this, but talking about creativity in, in in recovering creativity and sobriety, and just the notion of yeah, finding your version. You know, whatever. going yeah. into this third year of of this whole great greater effort that you know we're all involved with now here on the recovery revolution. Yeah. You know, the idea. You know what? I, what I'm really interested in is is. I think because I've always, I, I tend to have lived my recovery, my sobriety this way, is that it's just part of my life. It's mm-hmm. not a separate mm-hmm. element. Mm-hmm. Not that I, I get that. I get that because going to AA to me has always felt like a, it's separated. It separates your mm-hmm. sobriety and your recovery from the rest of your life. Right. It's mm-hmm. a thing um, you go and do. And uh, so I don't have that experience. And so I've, I've never really thought about it in those terms. And that's... What I'm interested in is, is sort of normalizing sobriety and recovery as just part of mainstream, not separate from mainstream, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, um, yeah, because it, it should be. I and, mean, it's we're everywhere. You, right. Once you once you start looking, you find people everywhere who are either in recovery or who just don't drink. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, yeah. have you found that to be true? Like you just all of a sudden like, oh, meet people that yeah, because I know we do all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you start yeah. to notice it, and part of it is like at my company, there like there's lots and lots of people, you know, from from India, and a lot of them just for religious mm-hmm. reasons mm-hmm. don't drink, and like they've never been drinkers, or you know they have a beer once a year or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so you start to meet people who who just alcohol is just not part of their lives, and and you start to go, oh, maybe everyone wasn't drinking as much as I was, even mm-hmm. though I thought they were, um, and it's really refreshing. I mean, just to find people who just don't care about it or um or who are actually in recovery like you start to figure out that there's people who who they never mentioned they were in recovery but once you do they're like oh well well, me too and it's it's kind of wonderful Mm -hmm. um and i think about creativity like have you guys read the book um the trip to echo springs by olivia lang i have not Mm -hmm. it's a great book and it's about she took five american writers um kind of the usual suspects like Raymond Carver and I think maybe Hemingway and she talks about it's about them and alcoholism Interesting. and I um, mean she's British and it's also about her taking a road trip a train trip across America at the same time amazing book but you know I was never someone who wrote while drinking like it's just never been what works for me so mm. I've never had that association of drinking and creativity that mm-hmm. some people have but I think I also was afraid that without having alcohol as part of my life, I wouldn't be creative. Mm-hmm. And and that's something I think we need to demythologize. Right. Because the fact is, while I was drinking, I was not. I was not creating. Yeah. Um, because I think I sapped all my energy with with drinking and worrying about drinking. And so for me, like I've I've never been more creative. Um, yeah, that's so. Cool. And I've sustained it too. You yeah. know. If you weren't writing, were you romanticizing it all? Though the the being a drinking creative writer while you were drinking, was there any sense of that? 
I think so. I think mm-hmm. it was because, you know, especially when I was in grad school, I mean, grad students like to go out and drink, you know, mm-hmm. and so we'd have our workshop and then we'd go and, and drink beer or whatever. And um, anytime visiting writers would come, you know, it would always involve going out and drinking with them. Mm-hmm. And you start to see like who behaves badly and who, who doesn't. And um, it definitely seemed like part of the lifestyle. I mean, drinking for me was so tied up with everything with with being successful in your career even mm-hmm. with um i was telling chris earlier with sort of feminism for me got got oh, conflated right. with drinking mm-hmm. you know this idea that oh you're being empowered by by acting like a total fucking idiot mm-hmm. um which i was in some ways you know i mean that's 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 equal rights to ruin your life you know um but, but it was yeah it was definitely somewhere in there and now i see creativity as like you need your brain like you Mm. need to bring all of yourself to the party and it's not to say that you wouldn't do like automatic writing or find other ways to trick your subconscious into loosening up i don't do those things but a lot of people do but Mm -hmm. you don't you don't need to be like poisoning yourself Mm -hmm. to do it well that's that doesn't sound judgmental at all you don't need to be poisoning yourself (laughs) but there's there's discipline and there's craft and yeah it's just so easy to dispense with those things yeah You've got to do the work. I mean, mm-hmm. all the talent in the world is not going to help you if you don't sit down and do the work. And um, for me, you know, keeping being sober and keeping a fairly not uh, maybe somewhat regimented life. I mean, if you're going to do this stuff as an adult with a with a day job and stuff, you've got to you really need a lot of discipline, and um, you can't be waiting to feel inspired or any of that stuff. Like that's a luxury. And, and it's nice when it happens, but if you're counting on it, you're you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, if you're waiting, if you're waiting for the muse. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, right. You know, yeah, writers right. Exactly. Someone asked me the other day, like, who is you know, who is your muse? What's your concept of a muse? And and I said, you know, I don't, I don't have one. And I don't know, I think part of it is historically that's been more like a male concept mm-hmm. um, that you know a woman is someone's mm-hmm. muse. Um, and I also like I have an ideal reader in mind that is sometimes a specific person and sometimes mm-hmm. just this collection of qualities. But but yeah, the muse, no, I I mm. don't have it and I don't need it and I don't want it because mm-hmm. it, it can go away. <laughs> you know, so it's like it's like nope, keep it away from me. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, I just want to work. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, you're terrific, and it's just, it's been I'm really glad. Like I'm like because we Matt and I are always we. Chris books all these guests. We end up like seeing who the guest is the day of the show. And then I'm yeah. always trying to like read what they wrote. <laughs> and usually I'm, you know, we're all late to the party, but I think both of us and, and Matt's, Matt's the writer. I'm kind of a writer. Chris is really yeah. probably the best writer, but no. to read your writing was She's amazing. So I was like, Oh, this, this Aww. is, you're a terrific, terrific. Yeah, we're, so we're definitely uh, we're inspired. We're pulling Aww. back. We're pulling back in our fandom because yeah. we don't want to seem <laughs> exactly like super creepy. or desperate. We really are, but no, no, um, no. feel free to slaver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gush, hyperbole, embrace it. It really means, I mean, for me to be at a point where having thought that I would never write again to not, not yeah. only write again, but having people respond. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm the luckiest person in the world. Mm. I'm not discounting the work I've done to get here, but I am extraordinarily yeah. lucky. So it, it means a ton to me. Yeah. And, and the idea that I can communicate with that this thing has happened to me and I can use it to communicate with people is, I mean, good Lord. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm really lucky. Yeah. So thank you. Yes. Cool. And that said, the best way for 
you're, you're working on a book. Yeah. I and, am. I'm working on two books. I've had a novel books. I've been writing for two years now. And, um, but the, I'm writing, I'm working with an agent on a proposal for a book of essays, um, that stem from the stuff you guys have read that okay. are all sort of something about the idea of being, um, you know, being sober. Yeah. Well, I, I found with Sarah Heppel's book, which I loved, mm-hmm. I love that she talked as much about like sober life as her drunkalog. Yes, um, yes. And I know she's talked elsewhere about how some people they're like, oh, I find the drunk stuff more interesting. But I think people need these visions of, of what it's like to be sober. Sure. So a lot of my stuff is around like what happened after I quit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and so, yeah, and people can, if they're interested in reading more, um, there's my blog for sure, or there's also my, my website, um, which is just christycoulter.com. Um, there's links to stuff I've written about drinking and just, just other random shit I've written. I have a, a small series of open letters going now to yes. just random famous people like Santa. Yes, um, I saw that. There's <laughs> yeah. one to Santa and there's one to Barry Manilow. So, awesome. you know, I have, I have lots of little... Oh, that's cool. Little Barry Manilow things. is my first pop idol, man. I love that guy. I love him. Sixth He's, grade. He's just the best. He's the awesome. Best. Soupy Sales was my first pop idol. Wow. Um, wow, that's like old school soup. I, I know. I'm old. Yeah, and Joe Namath. Yeah. Oh, Joe, well, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Barry. Barry's the best. He's the best. You you, uh, you came and you gave without taking, and I sent you that's away. Right. right? <laughs> <laughs> As a wise man once, he's someone ghost wrote for him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Look, well, Christy, thanks for joining us. This has been wonderful. I really you were... appreciate you having me on. It's been a blast. Cool. Thank you, you so terrific. much. Thank you. All Take right. care. Take care. Good night. Yes! Another clean and sober intervention.